Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shed house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out I'll tell you where parents liking new music goes wrong. Same stepdad who turned me on to tons of bands. Like I just said, love Temple the Dog. He also was a big Creed fan. <laughs> <laughs> so was I. Uh, really? At one point, at one point in life. Oh, there's well, stuff. You, they're well, like the Nickelback of their. <laughs> they're the Nickelback of their of the '90s or whatever. Mm. I guess. I mean, I was in high school in Mississippi. Like it was it's Christian not terrible. rock. You, you, you heard it. The first, the first album, me and me and a couple of my buddies were into. But yeah, I mean, like after a while, you're just like, oh, I'm. Of course, it became. Well, I, I'm, I'm ashamed at this point in life. I was but never whatever, into I was them. I remember picking I up a, a issue of Guitar World and seeing "Take You Higher" solo, like top five solo of the year. I was like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you turn into like the soprano. You're like, get the fuck out. Oh. <laughs> what was number three? Like uh, Limp Biscuit, Nookie. Uh, maybe that maybe i actually don't even know if there was a solo in that song what speaking of bands that you misjudged in one way or the other jonathan do you have do you have one that comes to mind kind of i mean there's like like i remember <laughs> i remember you know being in charlotte and stuff like all my, a lot of folks started this shit i was seeing a lot of people started talking about the avet brothers and they're like man these guys are fucking amazing i'm like really and they're like yeah they're like it's so good and I went to check him out, and I was like, "When is this? When's the cool part start? When do they come on?" <laughs> right, right, exactly. And then, but and and so I was anticipating this amazingness, and for me, it just wasn't there. And then I I, I was further surprised by how much I at least hate the album titles. It, that, that impressed me how much they really. I I couldn't fucking magpies and dandelions. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And then they really knocked my socks off with that Ain't No Man is one of the worst fucking songs I have ever heard in my life. So, But then but, <laughs> I watched the documentary about them that the dude did. What's his name? Judd Apatow. Yeah, and at the end of that, yeah, they yeah. play a song that I was like, this is a really cool song. And I was like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. let me check this out. And then at the end of that, they go out and sit outside and they get on my fucking nerves again. So, like, I don't know. I, so, I just keep... for one shining moment, they had your time, attention. I was like, okay, here we go, guys. I, you I, were this like, is good. Oh, I could have been wrong. Then they went outside and contemplate how fucking sad they are again. I'm like, why are you so fucking sad? You're in Malibu recording an album <laughs> with Rick fucking Rubin. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, Neil, Neil, what do, you, what, what do you got? Um, I have a classic one. I mean, at the beginning, in the beginning, I was way out on fish. Um, I was out. I was like, you're not the Grateful Dead. What are you guys doing? Stop it. But then uh, I remember one time falling asleep to a like VHS I had of them playing live. And they started with Fluffhead. And I like took a little mini nap and woke up as they as the end. They come back in. and like You so took a nap on a Fluff? A Fluffhead? <laughs> I, guess, I guess I was Fluffhead. Um, but no, they, they kicked in. I woke up. I was like, I get it. Okay. And I never looked back. Oh, good Lord. Uh, I'm not even going to try to name all the shitty jam bands that I used to listen to when I was uh, 
just out of high school, like about to go to college because I don't even know if I liked them at the time, uh, but I definitely hated them after a couple years. I, I walked out of a string cheese show at the Orpheum in Boston just like, <laughs> Fuck I'm so thing. proud of you for that. I'm so proud of you for that. <laughs> I saw it what, what am I thinking right now? Oh, <laughs> who am I? There was a guy like dancing and like prayer like uh, in front of me. I was like, get out of here. Yeah, that's I where hate it, everyone involved in. This. I would say jam music kind of soured uh, with them for me as well. Like, okay, yeah. we we've we've hit the end of the road here. <laughs> the well is but, dry. <laughs> but but no, I'll, I'll say a, a better example would be like I was not a fan of the first Vampire Weekend album. I just did not like it. It was just like a lot of white preppy kids doing like a bunch of African rhythms and stuff, and too, a little too cute for me. But I've loved their last two or three records, so I was I was definitely nice. wrong in that instance. Jonathan, you got another one? I mean, I, everybody kept saying I was working at this recording studio, and this guy came in. He was like a younger guy. I mean, I guess we were all younger then. He was, I was at the studio and he came in and he was recording. He started talking about, I said, have you heard this guy, John Mayer? And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And he's like, it's fucking so good. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, you got to check it out. And I heard it and I was like, really? And then there again, it wasn't really my thing. And then I read the Playboy interview with him. And I'm like, oh, you're even more of a fucking piece of shit than I realized. Because you're talking about your ex-girlfriend in bed and all this and how your dick's like fucking David Duke. He's like, my dick's like David Duke. I don't date women of color. I'm like, you are such a fucking turd. Whoa. Yeah, he said that in a Playboy interview. And then I saw the album cover with the scarves as previously. And I was like, you're even more revolutionary. And then, but then he plays with the dead and it sounds okay-ish. Okay, okay. Again, again, I think you misunderstood the question. No, I just misjudged people. I thought they were going to be good. And I was just sorely, sorely disappointed. Okay, so you're you're more of like someone set you up and it was, you misjudged them upon... You know, what you based on, on the street. That's why I don't trust anybody's opinions anymore about anything. <laughs> Neil, who else comes to mind um, for you? In high school, I hated Steely Dan. I was like, who are these funky weirdos? This is some weird music. Um, but now I'm like, God damn it, I love these funky weirdos. That's <laughs> a good one because I didn't like them either. Now I kind of love them and kind of hate them. I'm not sure I'm how I feel about them. Fairly ambivalent about Steely I dig Dan. It. I don't put it on often, but if it's on, I'm, I'm into it. I like, I like Dirty Work. I think we've talked about Dirty Work. And then some of the solos are great. They're, yeah. they're really oh, yeah. bright. I mean, they're really bright, the capable is, guys. Is just yeah, that's incredible. Phenomenal. Um, I, I would go, the second one I would say is uh, LCD Sound System, I did not get into at all. Like People were super about them when I was in college. I, I didn't like it. Uh, but yeah. I've, co- I've come around. I, it's I'll second. The guy knows how to produce some 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 very fun tracks that are yeah, and it's, it's unique to and a good time. Yeah, and now I never really had a big opinion about Death Cab for Cutie. I, I I didn't like the name. There's two people who I didn't like the names. I was impressed by though, as them and Milk Carton Kids. I think Milk Carton Kids is a fucking awful name. But they're really good. Have you seen? You guys no, know who never, they are? Never heard of them. I, I've, I've seen clips of. I, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty good. They're a duo, but they're like really pl- playing at a high level. It's like almost like a bluegrassy Simon and Garfunkel folky, a little more technical guitar playing, and really tight yeah. harmonies. But then Death Cab for Cutie, and then when I heard, I haven't heard Ben Gibbard. He's done things that I don't identify with per se, but I've always there's always I've seen quality. I've always seen quality in in what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. The first time I heard the Mumford and Sons album, I was like, "This is really good." And then I went to the show, and it was just a guy playing a kick drum for like 
two hours. I was like, about an hour in, I was like, all right. I, we, I, we were, I was at the uh, the Fonda on Hollywood, and mm-hmm. I just went up to the roof to smoke cigarettes. Like an hour in, I was just like, all right, I'm going to go upstairs to smoke cigarettes and watch this on the thing. I'm, I'm bored. And and then, you know, I haven't really liked any of their stuff they put out since. As far as just bands that you've misjudged, my biggest one is Wilco. I remember in high school watching them perform on this show on HBO called Reverb. That used to be in the 90s. It was like this music showcase on uh, HBO. I don't remember And that. I was watching them, and I was for the, for the reason that most people don't like Wilco, I was like, who are these self-important weirdos just making noise, making a bunch of fucking racket? They think they're so cool. Um, and I, and I, I was just like, fuck Wilco, all through the 90s. And then I think, Josh, you gave me AM, um, the CD, and, mm-hmm. and then... I listened to that, and then around that time, uh, Sky Blue Sky came out, and I was all in. Yeah, I kind of missed Show Jim. I was ex- I was excited to see them at at Coachella, and I was like, "What the fuck am I here for?" So I was I kind of oh, excited. Jim too. You once again misjudged. Well, I was I was misinformed. I feel like people were like, "You're gonna see that." I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "Great, okay. awesome." Okay. I'm like, yeah. "What the fuck?" There is a lot of misinformation out today, and there uh, is. And on that <laughs> and on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and. This week, we will be talking about Wilco's Via Chicago from their 1999 album, Summer Teeth. I dreamed about killing you again last night, and it felt all right to me. Well, I think this song kind of embodies why I like them so much. They're always kind of pushing the boundaries of what a song should be. The way it takes a very simple concept and just turns it into a like full experience. As a comparison, it's similar to the Strokes tune we did, Modern Age, in that it, for me, it's more of a collage of what Wilco does than like a complete song. And maybe that's the point, but it feels like some kind of journey that they're trying to like divided up into parts but like that journey i'm kind of out at minute two right around a minute 52 i think the production gets in the way of like a cool abstract little ballad that he's trying to do there yeah i had never heard the song I me mean, i've heard some wilco not a whole lot i really like that thing they did with the woody guthrie lyrics at california stars i i freaking <laughs> adore that but honestly besides that i've never heard him do anything that I cared about hearing again. I've never really understood why they were so big. I mean, not that people shouldn't like them. I just never got it. I know this song changes, but that first stanza is basically like a murder ballad, like in the old in the old school songwriting yeah. sense. And I don't like those. I've never liked those. I mean, I don't care if these songs where I just want to kill you. Might usually a guy killing a, his lady or whatever. I never like those songs, which didn't start things off in a good fit. There's no rhythm. It's just not my kind of vibe. It, I don't know. It's like I was just writing stuff down as I was listening to it, and what I wrote down was murder ballad, nice production, sad bastard music, interesting lyrics, tedious, had to stop at 209 because I couldn't keep listening. Then I kept listening again. Please end. Was, um, made me never understand why they're so big, monotonous, cool guitar tone. Please stop. Indie folk, not my kind of music. Please stop. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of that's yeah, that's kind of please, please stop listing your list. <laughs> no, but that's that's why I'm here is to talk about how I think of the song. So okay, like, pot over. I'm doing my job. I'm just signing up for the job. I'm just doing the job you guys hired me to do. So yeah, just not my thing, man. I, I mean, once again, more power to them. They seem like I'll say 
you know, Jeff Tweedy seemed like a great guy, but I know he was with the Uncle Tupelo or whatever, originally or whatever. And like, I always like the Sunvolt stuff better than this. And I just like I said, I never understood why these guys are big, and this just makes me really not understand it. So you you really hate it? Did, I don't hate you it. didn't I you just, didn't even just, listen. You couldn't finish the no, full I kept song. Listening. I had to just hit because it's it's. I mean, like even Josh, who likes Wilco, said at one fifty two. Well, he's out he at two minutes on every song. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, and look, I kept listening. <laughs> you know, and listen, I'm not even putting it down. It's just not. It's it, it does not offer me what I listen for in music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it do, it offers me exactly what I'm looking for. There's something about it, and I think it gets to. I, I'm more about a whole vibe. I don't, I, I'm not a lyric guy. I'm more just like the full song. And I love what they do here. And one of the reasons I chose it is because I saw them with Michelle at the Greek and they performed this song. And as soon as they ended, we looked at each other just with like amazement and said, wow, it just blew me away what they were doing. And I love how the whole song, he's playing this simple, super simple song, and there's all this stuff going on around him. And it's not a traditional song at all, from the name to the production to everything, just the way they, they mess with the rhythm and whatnot. And I love how it's just such a cool journey. It just it sounds like things are falling apart. It it's so potent in like the the feeling, the vibe. It it portrays you, you use the word journey and i i do think that's kind of what he's trying they're trying to do here i i just i honestly just think the production gets in the way of that completely i just he just loses it like there's just i think it's integral they start to get distorted and there's like feedback and it's, it's not pleasant to listen to in parts and I, I don't and i like some of the times that wilco gets you know try gets creative and, you know, my favorite album of theirs probably Ghost is Born, which is, you know, one of their more off-kilter ones. I mean, whatever, it has heavy metal drummer and echo on it. But every other song is just a lot of guitar work and, like, really long tunes and, and kind of getting out there. One of the reasons I like this song is because the production and the guitar and the feedback and all that, it's it's very uncomfortable but soothing at the same time. Like that that little melody that's played throughout the song, how it just changes its whole attitude like at first it's it's played on um like steel pedal and then piano and then crazy guitar and but i i do love how it's uncomfortable and very soothing yeah i mean i want to be clear i don't think it's bad i mean it's effective i just don't see the world this dude sees the world and i don't want to I think is what it is. So like, so it's not like to me, bad music is ineffective music, and this isn't ineffective. In fact, I mean, it affects me. And I think anything that's good, some people are going to love it. Some people, I mean, anything that really makes a statement, or anything that somebody loves, somebody else is probably going to kind of hate. Because to me, the worst thing you can be is cliche, and they're not cliche. Yeah, and absolutely I, not. That's why I wanted to talk about it too, because they really, with all their albums and most songs, they really are always kind of searching to break out of the box of songwriting and just kind of how how to put a song together and this is one of uh, a good example of how they've succeeded at doing that sometimes and you know I, I just like how they do stuff like this instead of just being like oh let's just play the song and not get too far into production or not get creative with it well what's so funny is this was the album where he was like oh, i'm gonna try to write a, write a pop song they had done am and being there which i love being there is a great album 
but like I don't know. This is kind of the same, Neil. I think you and I share very similar tastes in music and especially bands that we like. But the songs you pick usually of the bands that we both really love. And like this album, there's probably like six, seven songs. This is in my this favorite. Album this like. is my favorite album. Like <laughs> I, I would rather hear "She's a Jar," "Shot in the Arm," "How to Fight Loneliness," "When You Wake Up Feeling Old," "Summer Teeth," and "Candy Floss" before the song. So I, I do respect the fact they're trying like there's some soothing in that chaos and that mm-hmm. that they're creating i just don't it doesn't it's not soothing for me I, I think the thing i don't like about this is this sounds like people who don't have it that bad being depressed and that just gets on my nerves like mm-hmm. it just feels like you're not like you're really in a real struggle here you're just it sounds like well depression is a how do you know though kind of uh, what do you yeah i'm, saying, I'm, saying, I'm not talking saying about it. i'm saying what it sounds like to me well that's just i mean it feels like you're projecting that on i think you do that well, often is projecting everything on everything yes, i mean that, that's, I'm a, not, that's a fair point yeah if I mean, it sounds every, like that then it sounds like that i mean yeah, because, but because it because it, it, it's just so ho-hum and lackadaisical and like i can't do anything about this and to me, that's just that if you're in a state where you don't feel bad, but you also don't seem like you're actively trying to change it, that feels like a pretty privileged state. Because folks I know who are really struggling are like, I got to change this. But is this song about him? Or is it about. I, it's about know, a, I mean, it seems it, like it's about a dream, about a. But I mean, who knows what it's about? That, that To my main point, like, I really don't care what he's talking about. I like how the song sounds, and I like, so, I like how it opens up, and the I'm coming home is. Just it, it all boils down to that. Like he's just trying to get home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. He is Chicago. I think the lyrics are good. I think the lyrics are really good. I think you know he's obviously a good writer. I think you know as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I think he's from Illinois. He's from the Midwest somewhere. And Mm -hmm. he's from Illinois. Yeah. So I think it might just be this. Like. I think as a Southerner, and I've, this is how I felt when I went to England, everything in the South is dramatic. Like, it's hot, it's cold, it's this, it's that, but it's never just mundane. And for me, this just starts feeling like trying to get across, trying to get from North Carolina to fucking Los Angeles. So I like the, you know, and it just feels like, and I, but I, I love Chicago, but I like the South side of Chicago where all the blues stuff is happening. So, like, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, or cup of malort, as they may say in Chicago. So yeah, this song was written by Jeff Tweedy, and I didn't know what the lyrics were. I just knew I liked the vibe of "I'm coming home." That's all it meant to me. But then when I did kind of dig into it, they are very creative. I, I think it's very introspective. It's very unique. It's not very common to just be singing about killing, but dreaming about killing people. And, you know, the way most songs do, I think he paints some cool pictures along the way on his journey back home via Chicago. He is using a conventional song device in here with the I'm Coming Home because you can think about so many songs off the top of your head that use that. You know, Home, the Talking Head song. It's where I want to be. Dan Auerbach had one on his solo album, Going Home. Uh, Band of Horses have a song that mentioned Home. I mean, there's just so many songs that mention home and use it as a device that like you said neil people get are drawn in by that i am too to most songs that do that i'm like ah oh, yeah this will make me think of home and it's somewhat effective in this song as kind of like a almost like as things fall apart i'm going home like i'm, I'm going to somewhere where i feel safe or whatever because i, I kind of feel like i mean this sounds like a murder ballad but i kind of feel like it's about killing himself 
It's just that first stanza. I'm just saying the first stanza feels murder. Hmm. But the whole yeah, song, yeah. if you read the whole lyric, that, that's the whole thing. The first stanza sounds murder ballady, and it almost sets up like that. Even the way the music goes and the the the, the letter. And we we should mention that the first lines we're talking about. I dreamed about killing you last night, and it felt all right to me. That and that's a pretty like, especially when you see them live and they play this song when he sings that. Everybody's like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's up with that? Because it's a good song, and they are excited. Well, not what's up with that, but like, why is that okay? Like, why is that not fucking misogynistic? Because it's just it's it's introspective. No, because it's a it's a personal piece of art. It's not it's abstract. But you know, why is it misogynistic? He's not saying he's talking about a woman or his friend or his mother or anyone. Yeah, it has a very relationship you're projecting again oh, everything is a projection neil <laughs> no I'm one you, no one has absolute reality at their beck and call so let's be yes, clear about that. yes and i okay. agree like if i were to you know when i project i i picture his lover but he doesn't say you know right, that's, it, that's why he's not like, getting into trouble but like i said i think the lyrics are very effective i mean great imagery but then when i think about what he's actually saying i'm just like shut up like I, I painted my name on the back of a leaf and I watched it float away. That's a really, those, those are, I, I like the imagery, but then I think about actually sitting around. It just feels like, it's know, boring. It just feels self Are you saying it's boring? Was, is there a chorus to this song? I mean, like, I, it feels just like, it feels like depression. It feels like when. No. This is, not, no a, chorus, this is right? not a standard but song. It just, you know. the, but what, there's no even structure. It's just well, all I'm, the same I'm thing. I'm coming home. I'm coming home via Chicago. That's, that's almost like an outro, though. Um, they do it in the middle. It just yeah. that's this the rep- the repetition of it. That that's why it, there's no B section. It's just A section, yes. A section, outro. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite lyric? What's your favorite lyric? Mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the wind blew me back via Chicago. I mean, that's a fun line, and there there's the imagery of them are a lot of them are cool. I mean, I painted my name is great. You know, the the hope I had uh, in a notebook full of white dry bays. It's cool, but there again, I just don't identify. It's like when. When like uh, when what's her name? Ani DeFranco said, "My cunts built like a wound that just won't heal." Oh my! Like God. those are incredibly effective lyrics. It that, is. It's not my story, so I think that's why this, and I mean this in the technical sense, why it repulses me. Like it, it repels me because it's just not my. St- I don't identify with it, but it's very effective. Neil, what's what's your favorite line? Well, I don't have a, a favorite line, but just my favorite part is the. Just basically the end and a cracked door moon that says I haven't gone too far. It's just it's kind of the the pinnacle of the song, right before. You see that, you see that moon guy sh- smiling at you like winking, like you ain't gone too far, Neil. <laughs> no, it's more of the. I do not like that. <laughs> it's more of how it's more of how those lyrics are. It's not what he's saying. It's it's how it's done, and where it's yeah. at. I mean, I, I think the verse verse is pretty flawless as just flawlessly written. I dreamed about killing you again last night, and it felt all right to me, dying on the banks of Embarcadero skies. I sat and watched you bleed, buried you alive in a fireworks display, raining down on me. Your cold, yeah, hot great. blood ran away from so me. So, what to is the it sea. about? So, you just like the imagery? Like, what is? Because I'm not debating you. I'm just asking you. You say flawless. Like, I think just like, as a verse coming into a song, that's a very nice, like mysterious dense. picture dense. to paint. Yeah, and you're you kind. It's it's mysterious, so you kind of want to hear more. It's almost like a book. It's almost like you open a short story and you're like, huh. Because you could read it like a short story almost of like, hmm, that's interesting. Let me see what else is going to happen. And then 
Yeah. The music also, comes in and I'm like, eh. I think the third verse, because I also do like how the third verse opens up um, where the crop cups are cracked and hooked above the sink. They make me think it's so mundane, but it, it, it paints a picture of why he might be in this situation he's in. Just See, I think he gets a little too convoluted in that verse. There's some cool lines, but taken as a whole, I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know if you kind of tied that together at all. Yeah, and, and maybe that's a reason. It's like, because like you, you say, Jonathan, you don't mind the lyrics. I don't mind the lyrics. I, I kind of like I kind of like the writing, Neil. You good lyrics, you like the right. lyrics, but there's no melody to the song. So None. they they really and that and so they, they really depend on trying to do something interesting with the music. But like that's where I think it kind of falls apart because it's almost like a poem and not necessarily a song. Well, a it poem does that they turn into a song. The whole song falls apart. Absolutely, point. absolutely. Well, before we get into the music, we're gonna start rating this stuff. Jonathan, one to ten. How do you rate the songwriting? You know, I, the lyrics, I can't say the songwriting because I don't exactly like the song. But I'm saying the lyrics, I, I think those lyrics are good solid. They're a good solid nine. I mean, it's definitely, it's good. Like, you know, the lyrics are top notch. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't like the murder bit, but like beyond that, like the imagery is good. Neil? I'm going to play it safe since we're going to uh, keep doing this. I don't want to rate it too high, but, and I, I just like the song. I mean, I, I'd give it like a seven. I'm, I'm more into the music than the actual lyrics. I would give it, I mean, lyrically, it's probably uh, seven. I'm going to give it a seven. It doesn't have a chorus. There's some great lines in there, but as a whole, I don't, I don't know if it's... Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to change mine to eight. I mean... <laughs> So yeah, I mean, the reason I picked this song is because of the music. I mean, I love what they're doing. I love the album version. I love it live. I don't even know if it really changes. It's just that it's all dynamics, what they're doing. And yes, it gets a little crazy, but that's the point. And I love how the music makes this song feel like it's crumbling apart. Like, And it feels like this is a really painful, anxious moment he's experiencing. And he's just trying to get home. And I love how the music kind of portrays that anxiety and that that feeling of loss. And and, I, and the song, it, it sounds like the way they do it, it sounds so combustible. Like it sounds like what's going on is just highly flammable. Like it, it could just like explode at any moment. And one, one last thing is I, I do love just musically the way that little melodic line that is done throughout the song in different ways and builds to this really um crescendo at the end is great i would say my favorite my favorite thing musically is after he said in starlight there's this little kind of thing that yeah. comes in yeah. that's kind of bubbly it's starlight. Like, I understand what you're talking about, Neil, and I get what they were going for here, but to me, it almost sounds like they had these cool lyrics that they were like, what are we going to do with this? And let's try to create a sensation of chaos or falling apart and trying to find some safety, whether you murdered someone or you're trying not to kill yourself, right? But it almost feels to me like it's it's a song that like that you write and you're like, we need a bridge, find a bridge. And then they just throw a bridge in there, or like we need an outro. Find an or outro, or a chorus, or a chorus. But I don't, I don't feel like this song needs a chorus. It's just more of they just were like, well, let's just do some shit. Basically, let's just throw a bunch of shit against the wall and watch it fall to the ground. But let's be clear, then, yeah. if, if if I if I remember correctly, they basically go. Mm-hmm. On repeat, right? Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's the, that's the guitar line too. Right. So they just do that. They let the whole song. I mean, and they do like a few stanzas with just that, and it never goes anywhere. I love it though. It's so simple. Um, There's there are songs with infinitely better melodies that still feel like they have to change at least a bit. I I, I just can't believe. Yeah, this just I, feels like oatmeal. That's why. That. That's why it seems like they were just like, let's just throw some production hijinks in here. It just seems like they threw it in just to throw it in. But I do. No. Like, I will be clear. I like the production. I mean, I think it's. In, I think I do think it's interesting. It's innovative. My point is the song just doesn't go anywhere. And maybe there again, I think it's just it's and, going and, and home. I think. It, and it, but it just illustrates an experience I don't want to have. It just, it just feels like just you're fucking sad and mopey. Like, yeah, damn well, it. That's why I try to avoid with everything in my life. I try to avoid the, what he's talking about. But I don't find it sad and mopey as much as I find it searching for something and not effectively finding it. They're they're trying to create this kind of like middle section that that just clings and clings and distorts and feedbacks. That it is to like. Here's how it feels when things fall apart, when you're lost, and then when you come out of this, you can find home. But the reason I say it's unnecessary is because there's two live versions of this you can listen to. One live at Boulder on the deluxe release of Summer Teeth, which they try to kind of cre- recreate this, and it's and I I don't like it. Then they have one on Kicking Television, which is a live album, which they do not do this shit, and I think that's my. That's, that's a much better version than both the studio album and the other one. I think it's why I wanted to talk about this song is because it's so untraditional. It is more like an abstract painting. They're, they're just building this feeling throughout. That's why there's not really a chorus, and it, it's it's just all about the build. And I do to your point, Josh, I do love... I, I watched a live album, uh, or not album, but a live performance of the Ryman in Nashville about 10 years ago. And I love how after all the chaos ends... Tweety's still just playing the same song. He's always yeah, playing that absolutely. simple song and all this stuff is going on around him. And I don't think it's fucking hijinks. I mean, I, I really think it's effective yeah, and what they're effective. trying to do. If you don't like it, that's fine. But um, I think it's done well. I don't think it's some kind of little trick or they, they're, I think they did this purposely. I don't I, think they're like, what do we do with this? Oh, let's, let's, let's get crazy. I think they got too cute with the song. I agree with you, Neil. I do think the production's good. I think it's arranged well. There again, I think I think it's very effective. I don't think it's too cute because they did it and they went for it. They went full distortion feedback. They, you know, they didn't play around with it. They just were on this song. We're and, gonna and why the like lo-fi change on the "I'm Coming Home" like in the last 20, 30 seconds of the song. I love that. At the, what at the end? Yeah, at the end, the last thirty oh, seconds, where he's going, "I'm coming home," and I really enjoy that. And then it's just like, oh, I, and then no, I thought about that, and I think it's because he finally got home, or this is over, this experience. But that is there to remind him that the war is never over. That this is that like the wheels always turning. Like even though this this battle is over, the war is still on. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I really do love that guitar line and just the, the you know it's not only guitar it's 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 the main kind of theme of the whole song musically and it's so simple and so nice and it allows 
the player to add so much emotion into it. They're not trying to play a bunch of notes or make anything too complex. It's just kind of a bed for, you know, and I think that's why it gets into that feedback and there's so much emotion and like, it's so cool. Like I really, I really love that. When you hear them live without all that, the, the, the climax of the song basically is where it should be, which they kind of do it with the produ- with the arrangement here in the in the album version is when he's, he says, your favorite in a crack door moon, says I yeah. haven't gone too far. And then and he kicks in, he, and like live on Kiki Television, oh, yeah. he, that's where he like pick, it's picks so it great. in. It's, and it's very effective there. That doesn't happen on this version. No, true, true. And I love how he does that. He screams that far, and the note he hits on far goes right into far down, 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 Exactly, well, and, it, well, and it's, well. it's beautiful. And I just, when I hear that, I'm like, why didn't they do this on the album? Because this is way better. So, Neil, uh, 1 to 10, what do you think about the arrangement of the song? I'm going to give it an 8. I think it's really great. I don't think it's the most amazing thing, but I think they succeeded at what they're doing as andy sandberg said as nick cage in the get in the cage segment of saturday night live weekend update that's high praise jonathan one to ten the arrangement i'd give it a seven i think it's cool i mean it's like you know i think kind of to your point the risk you run with this kind of stuff is self-indulgence like everyone thinks they can make I don't want to say it this way, but like we have to be careful that we don't try to make dark side of the moon because we're not going to make dark side of the moon. Uh, so you, when you start adding to me, I, ha- I don't want to add anything in unless I feel like it's absolutely necessary. But I do think they get creative. And I think the dissonance, considering the tone of the song, I think the dissonance serves a place, mm-hmm. serves a, I think it does occupy us in a very intentional space. So I think it's a good, I'd say solid seven, I'd and say. Seven, an eight and a seven. Uh, I would give it a four what they're doing here with all this dissonance and rhythmic experimentation it's not easy to pull off you know like it sounds like oh they're just screwing around you know but to make it sound right like they do and and to make it all work and and to allow Tweety to just keep playing the song underneath while they're all playing different stuff is really cool I don't think there's enough going on musically for me to want to expand on it this much like it's just that same thing on repeat and they just keep on it so the drone mm-hmm. like if this song ended at three minutes i would be happier i would like it it is too long it's five it's, minutes it just, it's yeah i don't i mean and considering there's no change i mean outside of like muddy waters or somebody where there's rhythm and vibe like there's no rhythm here it just does sound good sonically and i'm sure like at headphones or you know good speakers whatever it's got a great vibe but to me it's like it to me that doesn't save it if it was a more interesting melody and it had another part i think that would stuff would really enhance it but like when, the first time i listened to it this week because I, I really haven't listened to songs probably 20 years because i don't I, I never really liked it but i listened to it and it was like a movie that you sit down and watch and you're like an hour in, you're like, what the fuck? I got another hour and 15 minutes left? But it's like a good movie that, like, a critically acclaimed movie that people are like, oh, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. That's what this song felt like. Two minutes in, I was like, fuck, I got three more minutes. On The Simpsons, they had the Springfield Music, fe- I mean, Springfield Movie Festival, and everyone had entries. Barney's, <laughs> The Drunks, was like this French existentialist oh, yes. thing. And he's uh, like... One of my favorites. Vin- and at the very end of it, he's like... Don't cry for me. I'm, I'm already, already dead. dead. And that's how the song feels to me. It feels um, like a fucking well, 
antidepressant commercial. I love the way he performs the vocals. He sounds distraught throughout. <sighs> and at the <sighs> end, when he's like, his voice is almost hoarse when he's just like, I'm coming home. But but that's just his vocals in general. Like he's not he's not always that. No, it he sound it sounds like he's been singing a long time, and uh, it it sounds kind of hoarse. The end. I think I think his he voice sounds very is tired. Understated as usual, and I, I don't mind it at all. It's it's I enjoy his vocals. Actually, I think my favorite thing about the favorite thing about the song are the vocals because they make me feel like I'm a good singer. And we're going to move into our vibe time section of the podcast and cue the music in three, two, one. I don't feel good about one. this. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, Nielsen T. Marsh, when do, when do you want to hear this song? I think it's a good road trip song, and um, I definitely want to hear it any time they play it live, any and all times they play it live. <laughs> Jonathan. I never want to hear the song again. <laughs> I I was going to say the same thing, and but Neil just told I, I have heard this live before. I've seen Wilco so many times live, and I, I do enjoy sometimes when they do it live. So only when I'm at a Wilco show. And and as we uh, are we dive bombing or are we sliding under the inf- we're dive bombing under the influence tonight. We're Let's just fucking bomb. going for it tonight. Let's dive bomb Neil, into nothing. What did this song? <laughs> What was it influenced by? What did it influence? What would you recommend to people who like this song? Uh, I think just as far as an influence, there's not much. It's kind of like Jonathan pointed out, a murder ballad kind of thing. I think a song like Hey Joe and and stuff like that, just kind of those themes. But that's about it as far as influence. I I think it's pretty unique, I think, as a whole, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, for me, it's of that Elliot Smith kind of vibe. Radiohead has things in common, but see, I like how Radiohead does it. I, I like their artistic take. I like what they do musically much more. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess just the pain of being alive is what influences what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, man. I like that take. I think I think they succeeded. I would agree. I mean, I... I Definitely, you know, like you guys have mentioned and we talked about the murder ballad stuff, it's reminiscent of like an old blues tune when you're talking about like killing a like your mm-hmm, girlfriend or mm-hmm. something. But like. they always explain it's because she was cheating exactly. on Exactly. They, they, they go explain they're not, why. They're not falling apart. They're not pissed that off and then okay. they, they actually kill her. I, but they do at least explain why. Like, um, I'm talking about like Little Sadie, some of these old school country songs, the Lost and Family Murders, where it's just like yeah, somebody sure. went back I, um, I listened to this uh, Leuven Brothers, Knoxville Girl or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Within the first verse, they he hits her on the head with a stick, and And that's why this song immediately. I immediately thought of you know a murder ballad because it just right out of the gate you're talking about killing somebody. Um, I'm gonna gonna go. This song definitely influenced a song by Death Cab for Cutie. I don't know. I don't know for for a fact, but I know it's true. Which one? Bill Maher shout out. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like Bill Maher. That sounds about right. It's total horseshit. I don't know if it's fact, but I know it's true. Yeah, there you go. That's about right. You know, Wilco's very big star replacements, television, Sonic Youth, Daniel Johnson, like similar, 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 like influenced by and of contemporaries. I would say anything that just this song in particular and the vibe moving forward, Death Cab. And it's almost, I mean, this song is almost kind of emo a little bit. Like that early alts emo, this song has some roots. Yeah, and there's a Neil Young tonality to it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. 
I can't believe I didn't bring that up. That that guitar line in the feedback sounds like crazy. And verse. then yeah. Oh, absolutely. But then that that's some harvest style chorus shit. in there. <laughs> now that we've dive bombed ourselves under the influence and don't know what to do with ourselves, let's uh let's crawl under the covers and reminisce about the covers we listened to this week, Jonathan. About when we weren't under the covers. <laughs> let's reminisce. Let's think about the time before we came under the covers. <laughs> when we were still on the bed. <laughs> I do not like this. Jonathan, how many how many covers None. did you listen to? I couldn't really listen to this one hardly. Awesome. Did you listen to any other versions of the song? No. Okay. Neil covers. Um, there's none worth noting. I mean, it's a very unique song. See, I mean, same I, lis- answer. I listened to a couple, but I don't even I don't even want to bring them up because they weren't good. Well, like I like I said, the live at Boulder on the deluxe edition is tries to recreate the album. So for me, I, it's not my favorite. The only live ones I listened to were at the Ryman Auditorium, and um, last year, right as the pandemic broke, they did it at this small little gymnasium for about 30 people for this like pop-up thing that was really cool. Oh, nice. Again, as I mentioned, the Kicking Television live version is, is my favorite, although my favorite version of this song is Jeff Tweedy had a solo album he put out last year, and this is on there. Yes. Abs- I did listen to that. It's good. If, if we were talking about that version of this song... I would I would have given I would have had a lot better stuff to say. Uh, the only two covers I heard was there was a band, the Porter Draw, that sound like the Hold Steady, who I hate. So that was I, terrible. Hard pass. And then a guy named Omar Fidel. I guess he's a guy, maybe a band, uh, maybe a woman. I don't know. Yeah, I listened to that. It, it was yeah, it wasn't working. So that brings us to uh, whether the shoe fits or not. Neil, how did you uh, how did you find the the fitting? Um, the shoe fits very well, but it's falling apart and bursting at the seams. Shoes oh, done. It's, it's one of your old faves. Yeah, yeah. Well, it got me back home, and that's about all it had left in the tank. And you're gonna find it in like five years, and it's you're gonna be like, I remember those. Mm-hmm. Trusty, mm-hmm. Johnny. I'd have to speculate on how they would fit, because it's not really. I feel like these shoes would fit like whatever they put on my feet, in the mental ward when I'm just in there lobotomized moping around so whatever shoes they wear in that setting that's how I think they would fit alright so are you Christopher Lloyd Danny DeVito Jack Nicholson the large Native American man I'm fucking clearly McMurphy (laughs) I'm trying to get the fuck out that's my whole point I don't want to be here I'm doing anything I can to get out of this situation. Yeah, the shoe fits as long as they take me far away from this place. <laughs> as long as they take via Chicago. Uh, <laughs> they, they fit for me like a shoe I love, but in a color I hate. Uh, it's Ooh. interesting. That's, <laughs> That's right. good. That's right. You like that? Uh, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like you asking me if I like it or not. I'll tell you that in, a, in that sultry voice, you don't like the, the sultry. If that's your sultry, question. I definitely you like that. Is that your bedroom talk, Josh? I don't like that. <laughs> no, no. First of all, I didn't say it like that. But uh, well, no, we'll, we'll, we'll go you to like that. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> that me, when I saw Will Smith on Jay Leno one time, he was like. He was like, Jay Leno was like, he's like, this is, they start talking about bedroom talk. He's like, so what do you say in the bedroom? And Will Smith, you kind of tell, he's like, ah, you know, and Will, Jay's like, what do you got? He's like, um, he's like, I don't know. I might say something like, you brought this on yourself. 
I was like, you brought this on yourself. Like, that's kind of awesome. Via Chicago. Uh, <laughs> you brought this on yourself. Oh no, that, and on that note. <laughs> I think we brought this on ourselves, actually. That's what I was thinking the whole time when I was listening to this. We are going to play a cover of Wilco's Via Chicago. I dreamed about killing you again last night And it felt alright to me Dying on the banks of Embarcadero skies I sat and watched you bleed Buried you alive in a fireworks display Raining down on me your cold hot blood ran away from me to the sea Cracked and hooked above the sink that make me think crumbling ladder tears don't fall, they shine down your shoulders and crawling in. 
the lash, I'll blow it with kisses. I'll rest my head on a pillowy star and a cracked door moon. Says I haven't gone too The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to You. Please subscribe and rate on Apple and Spotify. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Josh's week. So, Josh, what will we be listening to? We are going to be discussing the White Stripe song, Ball and Biscuit. Can't wait! <laughs>